The Pittsburgh Steelers play the Atlanta Falcons tonight for their final preseason game, but we'll focus on some of the more important things that are going on with the team, less so the preseason game itself. All here on the Locked on Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are Locked on Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things of the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find the show on your favorite podcasting app and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes, as well as our bonus content like we have over the weekend. We thank you for making the Locked On Steelers podcast your first listen every day because we're your team every day. And today's episode is sponsored by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. More on them later. So. I want to preface this by saying, you know, I'm not going to preview the Falcons preseason game because we've seen the Steelers enough in preseason. Now the start, some of the starters will play Mike Tomlin made it clear on Tuesday. Like, Hey, like, you know, if if you're healthy, you're playing unless like, you know, they don't need to see you, which means to me, you're probably not going to see Mika Fitzpatrick, TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, Patrick Peterson, those type of guys. But I think like you, you still might see Kenny Pickett. You still might see Najee Harris in the offense, get a driver two in there. Um, and you'll still, still might see like Alex Highsmith or some guys like that hanging in there just kind of being there for the thing. But I think what you're going to really see here is you're going to see certain guys that have been getting tested, especially the rookies a lot more in this game as they try to get a feel for them and give them as much action as they can to get acclimated to things before they get 17 days off before their home opener and that is going to be really interesting because everyone's going to be having all eyes on Broderick Jones now we did all yesterday's episode on Joey Porter Jr not all episode excuse me but we let off with the Joey Porter Jr point and I addressed that then so go check out the Wednesday episode if you want to see that but I wanted to look at Broderick Jones again because in the early parts of training camp and OTAs it really looked like Broderick Jones was displaying everything that he needed to display even when the pads went on to maybe take that tackle job. But the person who was also displaying that that what they needed to display was Dan Moore Jr. And we noted that in camp. And even before camp, we had guys like Jim Wexel come on this show and say, hey, don't be surprised if Dan Moore Jr. holds on to this spot. Jim said for the entire year, I don't know if it's going to be that, but it's something that we've discussed and explored as a as a potential thing here. Dan Moore Jr. coming in with to his to his third NFL season. He has 34 starts of experience, 35, I think, if you count the the Chiefs playoff game. Um, And that's nothing to sniff at. He's grown over the years. He he has good size for an offensive tackle. Um, He doesn't have the raw, I think, power and abilities that Jeff Broderick Jones do that once his game is refined that he'll that it'll I think he'll be so much farther ahead as far as an offensive tackle but you want reliability at left tackle you want Kenny Pickett's blindside protected and right now you're seeing Dan Moore Jr. do a lot of the technical things very well um and you're seeing you're seeing him you know, handle things pretty well and also be a pretty good teammate about it. After practices are over, you can see him working with Broderick Jones at the end of training camp. Uh, The Steelers are now done with the St. Vincent college part of training camp where, and we, you know, we can't report what we see in practice anymore, but uh, I can tell you, like he's been a, he's had a good relationship with Broderick Jones. He hasn't let, you know, the Steelers trading up to draft a guy that would ultimately be slated, slotted to take, take his job. 
sort of jade him from being a potential mentor for Broderick Jones. So he's done it. His, his Meanwhile, he's also refined his own technique. His footwork is better. His hand placement is better. And he's showing growth, growth there. And I think with Isaac Sayomalu, you're seeing growth alongside with him because now he has – this is the best left guard that he's played with uh, since he's been on the Steelers. Um, and you're also seeing that chemistry that was built over last year carry over to this year. These are all things that you get with a veteran and it sounds obvious but that's what dan moore jr is and this isn't to say that broderick jones can't take the the left tackle spot at some point but there is progress going on right there we talked to dan moore jr real briefly in the locker room earlier this week here was dan moore jr when i was asking about the impact of isaac sayomalo and how the offensive line is coming together i also made sure to note that touchdown round from jalen warren where they went right behind uh dan moore jr and isaac sayomalo who set up the key blocks in that situation uh but listen to how he explains it when when i ask him about that here's dan moore um just his playing experience um definitely adds confidence to the entire line. Um, his ability to vocalize in meetings, um, his ability to communicate on the field, and not to mention he's a, he's a great player. So, um, huge attribute for us. You guys, on the on the touchdown run, it seemed like everyone was in the right place, right time, with timing. Is that coming together like so much for you guys this year versus last year? Um, it's, it's a little bit too early to tell right now. I mean, I, I can't judge base well off of one run. Um, I mean, it, it felt that way uh, on Saturday, but um, I think we'll really be able to tell how, based on how consistent we're able to do that week in and week out. So there you have it with, with Broderick Joe's talking about the, the the impact of Isaac Sayomalo. And then we're trying to give him credit. He's like, hey, listen, we got to see more than the one run that we saw uh, of, of ourselves uh, from Saturday. And listen, that, that run was really good. And I, I've noted like, hey, that's what you want to see. Explosive, explosive, you know, runs hit, but also, you know, huge holes opened uh, with opportunities for running backs to get to the second and third level of the defense. That's where. I think you're see, you're seeing some progress there, but you know Dan Moore Jr. is not taking it as some victory lap right now because they did it in a preseason game, which again I think goes to the locker room culture that we've been talking about with the Steelers. They're not taking small th- small things uh, for granted, but they're also not celebrating them uh, too much. So uh, I think that they're in a really good place here. And, and listen. Dan Moore Jr., I think he's he's done a good job holding on to his job. And I also think Broderick Jones is doing just fine for what he's expected. You know, he, he did give up a sack in his last game, and he's given up two pressures so far in the preseason. Uh, but the you know when you look at, at how he's played by and large he's locking down his guys on most plays i think the biggest thing is sometimes he could you know sh- you know sharpen his footwork and lock up when when and how he attacks with his hands because that's the thing about Barry jones when he gets his hands on you it's over he's going to he's going to be able to win win the rep unless he doesn't finish a play and i think that's the other big thing that i've noticed on film is that he doesn't finish guys enough and that's how i think the one sack came about was that he was blocking his man and he kind of lost him for a second and then the, then the man actually went in there and got Mason Rudolph if I'm remembering the play correctly uh but uh Broderick Jones he'll get those things those are things that you that you that you sharpen over time Dan Moore Jr. struggled with similar things in his first year and uh and I think the biggest thing though is that Broderick Jones possesses just more natural uh strength and abilities that make it so that when you can see when he does get it together he's going to be a major problem and that is where uh that is what the Steelers drafted him for was not just for this year but for long term to have a premier offensive tackle on the roster that's not something that this 
that the Steelers have really had for you know over their history. You think back to all the great positions I've always talked about. You can go to every position out there and think of Hall of Famers. You could think of guys who are premier at those positions. You know, you know, center. You got all the great centers of the Steelers, all the great guards. Uh, you know, running backs, cornerbacks, safeties, linebackers, quarterbacks, all those guys. But offensive tackles, the one spot where it's like mm, they they could be better there. Broderick Jones could be that guy to change that tone for the franchise. Uh, but again, it just depends on how long it takes for him to get there. And I don't think the Steelers are in any rush considering Dan Moore Jr. is playing well. And if he starts to not play well, well, then you have Broderick Jones ready to go. And how long might that take? Who knows? It, you know, we remember Kenny, like Kenny Pickett last year, it took him till week four to get some action. And then he was start he was starting to start for the team. Uh, but you look back over other young Steelers who have who have come onto the team and gotten early action. Dan Moore Jr. is an example of that. Granted, his position is along with Kendrick Green were kind of a necessity for the, for the situation the Steelers were in. But Najee Harris, Pat Fryermuth, George Pickens, they were all guys who came in and quickly contributed to the offense. Wouldn't be shocked if the Steelers kind of expedite this process a little bit at some point, if they feel like things are starting to waver uh, with uh, with Dan Moore Jr., if he's starting to struggle. And not that they'll pull him immediately, but if they think like, okay, Broderick Jones is up to speed, he feels ready, let's get him some action, because you do want to get him on the field so he can get some experience this year, if, if you, even if he's not your starter right right away. Biggest biggest holdup though with with that though is you want to protect Kenny Pickett at all costs and you don't want putting you putting in Broderick Jones as an experiment in a, in a game to be the one time when Kenny Pickett gets blindsided and then he's out for three weeks and then you feel stupid for doing that when Dan Moore Jr. was doing his job so a lot of things on the line here but bottom line is Dan Moore Jr. is doing a good job of holding down his spot Broderick Jones is doing a good job of growing as a rookie. And that's just fine either way. The Steelers don't don't need to have their hand forced right now. They're in a good place with the offensive line compared to how it's been for the past several seasons. We got more to talk about here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. Don't go anywhere. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We got Terrell Austin, the defensive coordinator, with some comments that I wanted to bring up on the, on this show and address about the secondary and how I think it's going to play into how the secondary plays this season. We'll get to that in a minute here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. But first, I want to remind you guys that this episode is sponsored by Game Time, where buying tickets for your favorite events shouldn't be stressful because you've got Game Time, the app that you can download right to your phone to get you a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the events that you want to go to, whether it's a concert, a comedy, comedy event theater event or even sporting events game times got you with killer deals on last minute tickets and they can, they have a best price guarantee that cannot be beaten so that you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have with game time download the game time app to your phone and you can book even exclusive flash deals on anything from football games to basketball games baseball games concerts comedy theater events and more and the game time best price guarantee means that you'll always get the best price and if you find tickets in the same section and row for less somewhere else Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference of that price. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Or go to their website, GameTime.co. Terms and conditions apply. Create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter. We continue our show here for a little bit. Now, I want to 
uh, dip back into the, some secondary talk here because we did a good bit of that yesterday. But I feel like we can do we can do it again here as well. Now, this year's group, if they're going to be if they're going to be a, a, a dangerous secondary, they are going to need to live and win with top tier chemistry and communication. They have that many veterans that they can do that between Fitzpatrick and Peterson, but not just those top two guys because they're the big names, but also KZ Neil. Wallace, all of those guys, they're guys that, that know the NFL, know how NFL systems work and are going to be working in, in you know, in tangent with each other. I'd also throw Shannon Sullivan in, in there uh, for a guy who's been around for a few years. And they're all going to be kind of keeping everyone on the same page, making sure they're attacking the right spots. And meanwhile, they're going to have Joey Porter Jr. up in there, who's going to be very much a part of that mix. And it's going to be about how fast can he adapt to the game. And that is going to be a serious challenge. But that part of the game, and I've brought this up before, the communication element, the, the element of being able to disguise coverages and disguise them with a purpose, not just disguise them just to make someone give a random guess, but show offensive offenses and quarterbacks the coverages that you know that they like to attack in certain situations and then counter by flipping to the type of plays that will counter the way that they want to attack those, those looks. And those are the types of things that elite secondaries do. Now, the last year, the Steelers were, were you know, were the top intercepting team, in the NFL tied with the, with the Philadelphia Eagles, I believe. And part of it was that communication level. And, you know, part of me has been asking, you know, if this group is even better than that group. And Terrell Austin wouldn't go that far when I asked him that question. Uh, he kind of, he's kind of credited the entire secondary. He said, Hey, like they're, they've done a really good job. And since my time here, and I think, that's a good point because you look at the Steelers secondary for over the past several seasons and they've been a group that you could rely upon to be playmakers, uh, especially with the rival of make make of Fitzpatrick. And now you're seeing them do it a little bit more, but let me get, let me let Terrell Austin give you his perspective here. Here was him earlier this week when he spoke the Steelers defensive coordinator, Terrell Austin. Do the veterans that you have in the secondary give you more flexibility this year versus others as far as things you can call and the different variety of ways that you guys can discover what or excuse me, disguise what you guys are trying to do? No, I think we've always had a really, uh, I've really liked our secondary uh, since I've been here in terms of their acumen, in terms of their intelligence. And so I don't think that's, uh, that's going to be much different. We always move guys around as you guys know. Um, so we'll see uh, in terms of how they fit. They may move around differently. They may move around and, and, and play different positions. But I think in terms of the structure and the, and the way we want to do it, these guys can give us what we have been getting. Back to moving around guys, you know, some may could walk up and, and break some runs a little bit. Is, is the ability to move him around a little bit more uh, more available to you because of the different mix of you know, the ability to play pad inside or out of KZ be able to mix and match pieces a little bit to, to free him up to do some of that different stuff. Yeah, I think that, that actually kind of started a little bit last year. He's been moving around a little bit more uh, and has a little bit more flexibility. But, uh, you know, as, as, as you guys all know, we'll make no secret of it. Uh, we like him patrolling the middle of the field uh, because, you know, I feel he's the best in the business. Uh, but he does give us flexibility and he does move around and, and having those other guys there that maybe can do some of the things he does and not having a huge drop off. So there you have Terrell Austin, you know, one talk about the Mika Fitzpatrick thing and doing more with him. I think that is a huge part of what the defense they want to do now that they have other guys they can rely upon. Mika Fitzpatrick is always very, is always, is very talented as that center fielder, but he's that kind of Troy Polamalu type of player, not 
exactly the type of player of Troy Polamalu, but the kind of X-factor type of player who can change games at any point in time. You saw it with the Bengals game last year. You've seen it several times over his career with the Steelers so far, and I think we're only even at the halfway point maybe of him even playing for the Steelers, maybe even less than the halfway point uh, because he is uh, he is a dedicated student of the game who is just trying to be his best every day uh, with when he comes off the field. But Point being with Mika Fitzpatrick, you want to find different ways to move him around and you want to find the right fits for the guys around him. And I think that that's what they've done because they've gotten veterans who understand that the fit is important, that the scheme is important and that they have to play in different roles in those schemes to, again, disguise what they're what they're looking, because it's one thing to just disguise cover two and switch to a cover three. But it's another thing to be able to do it in the right moment and be able to call adjustments in the middle of a in the you know pre-snap and say hey this is what they're trying to do let's show this and then and then when the ball is snapped we go to our actual coverages and then you're hoping that in that moment either the pressure gets to them it forces them to hesitate a little bit quarterback i'm talking about here um or if they do try to throw it that they throw it in a way that you can now take advantage of because they guess wrong about what your coverage actually was and that's where i think the steelers defense can still be a, you know, a top intercepting unit is that they have guys who can play that. And they also have guys with ball skills. And that's a huge part of this thing here. Now, uh, if, if you need an example of use that, cause you're like, okay, Chris, that sounds like everybody can just do that. No. And not everybody can, because there was a while the Steelers couldn't do that themselves in the mid 2010s. And I used to, I used to talk about it on my platforms when back, back in that back then. But like, if you go back to like 2015, 2016, and even 2017, when Joe Hayden was starting to get there, it, there what the Steelers didn't have a full secondary of guys who could effectively disguise coverages and switch things around and make quarterbacks guess wrong back when they had like Artie Burns and Sean Davis and guys like that who just didn't pan out for the Steelers in the, in the secondary. Um, those type those type of guys didn't work out for them, and it kind of put them in a, uh, a situation where they had to use more basic concepts, and it kind of exposed the secondary because they couldn't, you know, make the quarterback hold on to the ball a little bit longer. I couldn't catch them off guard more. And I think that that's something that you don't have a problem with now. And since Terrell Austin took it over as defensive coordinator, because remember he was a DB's coach for the Steelers before that, I think you've seen him play to those strengths and the Steelers try to keep giving him more players with those strengths so that they can fit the scheme and they can go out and conquer and do what they need to do uh, against the passing game and to help against the run game too. So that's where I think that they're they're at now. They don't have the problems of having those basic concepts or having an exposed secondary in those situations. They're ready to take things on, and I think that they'll have a productive year at getting interceptions for the Steelers. Um, again, uh, they might not lead the NFL in interceptions. I think they could lead the NFL in sacks again. But I do think that the Steelers are in a position where – um, they're secondary. They should. They they can. They have reason to have confidence in the secondary's ability to make plays. And sure, there's certain there's weaknesses to it. Patrick Peterson's older, so he doesn't have uh, the same kind of juice that he used to. But he is still talent more than talented enough to be on the group. He knows where he has to be, and that's what's going to be the bottom line: is can they be where they have to be and work together to create more mistakes. From opposing offenses we'll we'll keep an eye on that but i want to talk to you guys next about the defensive line which may be the toughest group to cut on the steelers roster right now when you look when you look at it right now now the steelers remember cut day is tuesday august 29th so that'll be a certainly a discussion that we'll be talking about as they trim down to the to the 53 man roster um but 
before before we get into any of that, we got to talk about the defensive line. And before we get into any of that, we got to give you take a quick break here. We'll be right back talking more about your Pittsburgh Steelers right here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter. Can we continue our show here about the Steelers before their, their final preseason game against the Atlanta Falcons tonight in Atlanta? Now, I want to shift to the defensive line here because we've talked about the secondary. We've talked about, you know, what uh, Broderick Jones needs to show, what Dan Moore needs to show. But this defensive line group, this might be the toughest group to cut from if you're if you're the Steelers, if you're the Steelers right now, because there's a lot of talent at the bottom of this uh, this depth chart. Now, you got your obvious guys that you know you're keeping. You got Cam Hayward, Larry Ogunjobi, DeMarvin Leal, Keanu Benton. All those guys are obvious ones. I'd say by this point, uh, Isaiah Loudermilk is an obvious one, and Montrevis Adams is an obvious one because they've continued to use him uh, so far. But right there, I just, I just named six guys right there. And it, it'll be a question to see do the Steelers want to keep the, a seventh guy. And if they do keep a seventh guy, who is it going to be? Now, if, if it's my money, it's Brayden Fajoko because you want to use his run stuffing abilities to be kind of a key part of uh, of what the defensive line's doing. But all of these guys could be could could, could be keepers. They're all they're they're all talented enough. Um, and I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how they play together uh, once they actually get to play you know, real opponents more consistently. But for, for, for me, I'm not just looking at how talented this defensive line is. I'm looking at how well they're going to be able to fit together within their scheme uh, to win the way that they, the way, the, the way that they want to win. Um, and that includes stuffing the run and getting after the passer and how they do so in a disciplined fashion. Now, Let's give an example from the, from the game that I, from uh, from the last preseason game that I thought was really impressive. There's that one play where Josh Allen ran up to the right, ran up to the left, was going here, there, and everywhere, and then just when he was starting to turn back around, Alex Highsmith just you know was right there waiting for him, put him down, and the play was over. But before that could happen, Alex Highsmith forced a pressure that kind of rolled him left, and then he would roll right. And every time he, he turned, there was somebody waiting for him. There was somebody. Uh, there were there was somebody on the Steelers defense that was ready to go because they were showing gap integrity. And what gap integrity means is that, you know, no matter if you're at the line of scrimmage or backwards, you're you're trying to make sure that you are responsible for a gap in the offense between two different blockers that you can take care of if uh, the ball carrier comes your way uh, in that situation. So that's gap integrity there, and and why and why that's important, uh, and why I think that that uh, you're going to see. Got you know you know guys who pay more attention to that kind of stuff be the people that the Steelers want to keep more than not. Um, but again, talking about the Allen that that Josh Allen play where they went back and forth, it seems very natural with the way the Steelers handled it. They played it pretty pretty well, and uh, we caught up with the Marvin Leal who I asked about that question as well as we asked him a few other questions. But here's Steelers defensive lineman Demarvin Leal in the Steelers locker room earlier this week. Learned and how do you think you perform this, this preseason? I'm um, just learning new things. You learn new things every single day. So just learning the little ins and outs of, you know, where my hands can be on my pressures to make that better, where, what's, where, uh, how far I can take my good steps and see exactly what steps I need to do to be able to be the guy in front of me when it comes to being a run block leverage 
and you know just continuously learning from Cam, learning from Larry. Even though he's out, I mean, doesn't mean I don't learn anything from him. He sees stuff from a different perspective, so I get a little insight of what he sees and then try to correct it from there. Coach, of course, always listening to Coach Dunbar and you know just filling in those little opportunities that I get and just try to keep moving throughout this preseason. What are the best tips that Larry and Cam have had for you? You know, just always pass your stuff, things that can help me leverage-wise when it comes to being a double team and, you know, pass rush-wise and run block. How do you guys maintain gap integrity when a play breaks down? Because, like, the one play where Allen ran left and right and mm-hmm. left, you guys seem to be ready for every turn. How does that work? And how do you practice? Um, I say when you just run into the ball, you find out different ways and different angles to get to somebody. So that's what pretty much what you're doing, just put them into a box and kept them there. These reps you've gotten is valuable because you can't duplicate what you're seeing out there in definitely. any type of practice scenario. Yeah, see, definitely, I'll say, you know, you definitely get to learn after the game what you did wrong, what you did right, and, you know, you got limited reps throughout the preseason, so you got to make each one of them count. So there you had DeMarvin Leal talking in the Steelers locker room about, about several things there with the Steelers defensive line. I think that you heard the emphasis there as far as maintaining gap integrity and things like that, whether it's against the run or in, or against the pass. Uh, but I, I think this is my big question that I don't have the answer to, and that's can this defensive line, including T.J. Watt and guys like that, can they get the Steelers back to leading the NFL in sacks? Because that was a thing that happened every year, and it's for like five years, and it was really impressive how they kept doing that but if they can get back to that point not that they not that it needs to happen for the soothing of an ego but if they can get back to dominating the pass rush game and um and you know and again being the crew that kind of gets after quarterbacks better better than everybody else along with being a top 10 run stuffing unit like they want to be they're going to be able to be so dangerous as a defense, and it's going to make the job of the secondary so much easier when they're stuffing the runs. They they know that you're trying to throw, and they're they're, they're planning around it. So I just I look at this defensive line. I look at the strengths that it has that it has right now, even with some of the guys who might get cut. And I just look at man, like this is a t- this is a tough situation right now to let to let somebody go. Um, so. We'll see what happens in this preseason game. Who steps up? Personally, I think the seven should be, if they were to keep seven, Hayward, Ogan Joby, Liao, Keanu Benton, Louder Milk, Montrevious Adams, and Braden Fajoko. Those would be my seven guys right there. Um, and I think that they would all be great fits uh, for what the Steelers are going to be doing to, to diversify their defensive front. Guys who can move around, guys who could be uh, talented to win those spots. All that, all those things considered, right there, I think that the defensive line's in a really good spot. Um, and hey, competition is a good thing; it makes it makes guys get better. And I, I think it's something that people it helps people kind of prepare uh, throughout all of this. So the Steelers' defensive line, I think they'll, I think they're going to have a have a pretty strong night. But let's see who they leave in there for the majority of time, because I do think Braden Bahoka would be it would be a really good asset. It, but if they cut him, then he can't be any of that. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out tonight. Atlanta Steelers and the Falcons are throwing down for the final preseason game. And then finally, we can start talking about the regular season, which I cannot wait for because there's so much to discuss with the future of the Steelers. I'm your host, Chris Carter of the Locked On Steelers podcast. You can find this show on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes, as well as our bonus content. We thank you for making the Locked On Steelers podcast your first listen every day. Be 
because we're your team every day. And remember, if you if you give us if you go on Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars with a positive comment to go along with it, you'll get a shout out at the end of the show. Like this person, C. Steigerwald, who says, "A must listen for Steelers fans." Host Chris Carter does a great job on his daily weekdays and sometimes bonus content on weekends podcast he said it's very informative and when filled with dead-on predictions many days chris has guests that help dig deep dig even deeper excuse me into all things pittsburgh steelers do yourself a favor and subscribe listen to steigerwald subscribe if you have not thank you so much uh c steigerwald i appreciate you uh enjoying the show and hey if you want your shout out give a five-star review with your comments and keep it positive and we'll we'll have we'll, we'll give you a shout at the end of the show thanks again everybody do do check in with this channel after the Steelers game Thursday night because I will be cracking on an episode. It might not be up till like midnight Friday, but it will be up at some point. Again, I'm your host, Chris Carter. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. Read my work at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and check me out in the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And you can also check me out here in the Locked On Steelers podcast Monday through Friday, breaking things down in your Pittsburgh Steelers uh, right, right here on the Locked On Steelers podcast.